0: Welcome to the Association 4.0 Podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the Digital Marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is
1: Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of this week's podcast, I'm here today with John Chalice. He is the Senior Vice President of Business Development at HUM. I'm so excited uh, to have John here to talk to us today about data and the future of associations. So John, thank you so much uh, for joining me. I'm excited to talk with you.
0: I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for the honor.
1: Great. So John, we hear a lot about data and the context of discussion about digital transformation you know terms like data readiness, data strategy, data driven, first party data, third party data, data is the new oil. So what exactly is or are these terms and what is data and why is should it be such a big deal for associations?
0: Yeah so uh, data is the new oil and um, uh, or so they say anyway, uh, which, which simply means that data is, is valuable. Uh, and uh, like oil, uh, it's kind of useless in its kind of crude form. You have to refine it and, and do clever things with it. But that's sort of where the, uh, the comparison ends, because unlike oil, data is not a single-use commodity, and uh, there isn't a fixed amount of it on Earth. In fact, we're producing uh, you know petabytes of data a day uh so it's just actually coming faster and faster uh it's not particularly tricky to extract and it's not bad for the planet if you use it in fact i'd argue it's actually good for the planet so in a way it might be better to compare it to solar right if you're not collecting sunbeams at the moment uh you're kind of missing an opportunity and i think that's how i'd encourage people to think about about data uh d- data is the um uh at its heart for, for, a, for an association executive it's a strategic asset i think that's that's what you should think how one should think about it uh, and of course when i say data i'm really talking about first party data and just to remind everybody um zero party data is is information that people provide you and that's most of what associations currently gather what is your name what's your address what's your email address who do you work for what's your title that kind of demographic information sits usually in an AMS, and uh, and that's, that's zero-party data provided by an individual uh, to you. Um, first-party data is what you observe. It's you watching what courses they take, what articles they read, what events they go to, what uh, comments and questions they ask in a webinar, and so on. That's the data, that first-party data, is what many associations are not collecting at all. And uh, those are the sunbeams that are not not doing any good for their for their batteries. Uh, I would guess that zero-party data is maybe ten percent or less of the data that an organization can and should be uh, collecting, um, and uh, and would would be able to if they had the right systems. So the the reason. Uh, First-party data are important, is, is because it's the key to moving to that next level uh, of member delight. So if your goal, and I think every association exec would say, my goal is member delight. Right? I want to, I want people to feel they're getting value out of membership in my organization. You, you're going to need to do what some consumer groups are doing right now, uh, what Netflix does, what Amazon does, what Walmart does, Walmart.com does, on their digital properties, and that is notice what your customers are doing and 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 um and and differentiate their experience with you based on your observations of their behavior that's first party data that's the food and of course what comes out of that data is the food is the is are the actionable insights that you can use as useful results
1: yeah that's um that's really great i know that you know we always talk about even as organizations, associations have all of this opportunity to really look at their data, but they don't spend the time doing that, right? They're just um, and there's things that you can see from, as you said, kind of how associations uh, their customers are interacting with content online, what they're doing and those behaviors, but they're really missing that opportunity by not having people focus on that. Um, so let me, you know, I recently, John, saw a presentation um, that you did about how associations are kind of existential. It's a make or break moment, and that um, a dramatically improved data capability is part of the way forward. So, kind of, what's your argument to that, and why is it suddenly a bigger deal than maybe it was a
0: year ago? sure so um even before the pandemic hit and we'll talk about the pandemic in a second but before the pandemic hit there were signs that associations broadly were were hitting some headwinds so first uh if you if you go back and you take a look at growth zones annual association report more than 50 percent of associations were seeing flat or declining membership in 2019. Mm -hmm. In fact, 57% of associations fill in that category. And of those that saw declining membership, the average decline was 9%, which is material, right? And when you dig into that, you discover that a lot of it has to do with the uh, younger potential members, or rather people who are younger in the workforce who are not becoming members. So in MGI's 2019 membership marketing benchmark report, millennials who uh, you know pew says are those born between 81 and 96 and younger uh were 20 percent of association membership deloitte is telling us that by 2025 they're going to be 75 percent of the workforce. so that's only four years away there's a kind of a demographic cliff here that i think associations are facing and i think pre covid it was it was masked a bit but Uh, Then COVID happened, uh, and it it kind of changed everything because two of the biggest sources of revenue for uh, associations—membership dues—because of the dramatic rise in unemployment, which meant a lot of people were no longer interested in joining professional associations—and live events stopped. Right. So, so that's a double win. So, so now I'm arguing that in order to survive, associations are going to need to. Uh, amp up their game and uh, you know one obvious question is well these young younger people where are they where are they going you know what are they doing where, where are they going for the things that the association typically offers and I think the answer is um, entities that organizations associations haven't really thought of as competitors but so your association you've got a job board you're an association you've got your know, community site for networking you know what's also a good networking and job board site LinkedIn, LinkedIn. yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, Twitter also good for networking. Coursera for education and credentialing. So there are just a lot of other places out there now. These these entities are coming in. These very well funded entities are coming in, and they're kind of disaggregating the association's value proposition. If you want to fix this problem, then you you can't make decisions, good decisions, if you don't have data. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, so, can you give me some examples of kind of on the ground benefits associations get from being data driven? We all talk about being data driven, but I guess you know, how do you see that, and what are those those benefits?
0: Sure. So, um, I just talked about you know uh, evidence based decision making. So, if you have data, you make better decisions, um, or at least you have the, the raw materials to make better decisions. Right. right. Uh, so that's basically decision member, uh, decision, uh, business decision support. So a lot of associations are thinking about, you know, how many tiers of membership should they have and what should they price those tiers at? If, if you there's certain kinds of data you can collect that will help you make decisions like that. You can also, once you've made a decision, pretty quickly see how it's being taken up. And as long as you're willing to pivot quickly, uh, you know, again, using evidence-based, um, decision making you'll you'll'll you'll, you'll have this, um, this ability which you wouldn't have had before another big one right now for people are uh, D&I initiatives right it, how are you able to um, think about diversifying your membership your employee base your board if you don't have good data on uh, how they self-identify I mean they're just they're things that you need to be collecting and analyzing. Uh, that will allow you to to do some of the things that I think strategic priorities for. So so decision support is one. Um, um, The second would be around product development. So uh, imagine being able to create an ad hoc event uh, based on something that you can tell is of great topical interest to a particular segment of your membership right now. And to invite those people to attend that event like that's something you can do now only if you have that data. So event planning, uh, conference planning, um, even things like, um, uh, you know, uh, as I say, ad hoc webinars, the things you can do if you have data coming in of people's topical interests and affinities are enormous. You can also, on the other side, decide what things you want to retire, products that aren't doing particularly well. You can even start to see maybe why they're not doing well. Are people getting stuck at a particular point on the course? You can see course completion rates, but if you're able to tell all the people who have this demographic profile don't finish this course, there are things you can do about it. You'll never be able to tell that if your data are siloed. Um, third would be uh, marketing. I mean, and at its, you know, d- being data-driven means you can employ some of the most modern marketing techniques. Which have been shown to be effective, things like behavioral segmentation, demand generation, nurturing campaigns, use of lookalike audiences to grow your membership, A/B testing, programmatic advertising and retargeting, real-time personalization, content analytics. Honestly, many associations aren't doing any of that, uh, and it's because they don't have the they don't have the information they need to be able to do it. And then uh, finally. Uh, you have something with data that you can offer to sponsors that you haven't been able to offer before. And uh, if sponsors are keen to reach your member audience, um, you will start to see if you're capturing data well, intense signals, and those are valuable to sponsors. And sponsors will be willing to support uh, you in your efforts to um, put information and content in front of your membership that they find valuable and sponsors can, can use as a springboard to do uh, selling. So at the the end of the day, it's kind of, it's everything we just talked about as a challenge. It's more members, you know, growing your international membership, growing your younger membership. It's more engagement, which means more renewals, it's better products, and it's more non use revenue.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, we're also talking with some um, of our customers who who are in a better position than most that are really starting to say, what is membership and and if we've got if we can really personalize an experience maybe we don't have specific membership maybe it is a subscription and these are the things you get under that subscription kind of like more you know thinking through that that i guess kind of netflix model um so anyway i think there's there's a lot of opportunities but um you know, what I'm seeing that's really challenging for organizations is really their ability to collect and use data effectively. Um, So how would you kind of characterize associations in terms of their ability to collect and use data effectively? And then how can an association tell if they're data driven?
0: Right. Um, So in general, I would characterize associations as behind, behind consumer, most consumer-facing organizations. Um, And I I have to be careful not to generalize because there are some associations, uh, but they tend to be big and somewhat wealthy Mm -hmm. um, uh, that that are doing a fine job and are are well on their way. But most associations are are behind certainly this new non-traditional competition that that I did talked about. We we have a five-level rubric we use when we when we are talking to an association to sort of figure out where they're at. And we we ask them questions about kind of how leadership views data, um, uh, you know, how they're using it at the moment, um, uh, what, um, uh, what kind of access to analytics tools employees have. Um, is the data siloed? Uh, and, and the five levels are impaired, uh, localized, aspirational, tactical, and strategic. And you can sort of see that kind of natural ladder. Um, and I think most associations currently are put in that second category, localized, which means that the leadership gets that data is important. Some data is being collected, but it is siloed in the organization. So the events data sits in the events system. AMS holds the demographic data, and some any uh, financial data. Uh, the LMS holds all the educational data, and the CMS system holds all the if there are collecting data at all interactions on the .org website or if they have a publication, you know which articles they've read. And so uh, but it's not connected together, anymore. Um, and I, I think that's where most associations um, that's kind of where they sit. Um, h- how can you tell? Uh, where you are. Some of the questions I just asked, you know, have you, have you ever conducted a data audit? How siloed is your data? How clean is your data? Which is to say how how accurate is it and how well harmonized is it with other systems? Um, if you don't have a central data team, that is to say a, a group of people who are responsible for thinking about data in your organization that spans marketing, IT, publications, education, events, membership, then you are not Higher than you're not in the aspirational category. yet. Um, do you have a published data strategy? Do you have a data governance policy? Um, do you have the technology that allows you to harmonize? Uh, and uh, and that's how how people can can tell uh, whether or not they're their their data ready. Um, and I say, so, it's a journey. Yeah, so,
1: for yeah for sure. Um... We recently, I, I get the calls of Sherry. I need a new X system um, because our something's wrong with our membership directory, or something's wrong with X, Y, or Z. And you come to find out, it's really it's all about the data, right? Like <laughs> they can't move their organization forward because their data is not clean, and they don't have data governance, and um, there's just there's a and nobody's really focused on it. So. Um, they're limited in what, how they can advance their organization. So talk to me a little bit about how you feel like association leadership should react to kind of what we, what you've been talking about.
0: Sure. So um, just picking up on the point you just made here, data is a, um, data is a lifestyle, right? It's not a project. It's not something that you do once, you know, it's like eating right and exercising, is yeah. something you make part of your life forever and ever. Uh and uh I think so so being data minded and realizing it's a way of life that's important. Not thinking about this as like okay we need to update our website, you know, a website update that could be a project. Although I know lots of people would actually even that's not a project, right? That is also a way of life. Um but but data for sure is a way of life. If you're not if you're not Ready to sort of just make that a thing you think about all the time, then you're you're not ready. um So this, you know, I'm what I'm talking about is a cultural change, right? um And cultural change is hard. Yeah, anybody who's run an organization knows that. And so leadership, and I'm talking about the CEO and and senior C-level folks, they have to be on board. If they're not, it's not going to work. So the first, the first you know, so what should leadership do leadership should say okay I, I buy this argument that this is uh is going to be important to our future uh and uh, i buy this argument that it's going to span my entire organization one so it's not just membership it's not just marketing but it's going to cross our organization that it's going to involve a changing culture uh and that it's gonna it's gonna uh, uh, uh it's gonna to have to be a priority your your sense of urgency will depend on whether or not you buy my argument about it being kind of an existential point right now. Um, but um, but that's the most important thing. Now, here's the good news. Once you've done that, which is sort of the hardest part, the next thing is to pick one spot and go in and try and do something. So it's more like more like an agile software development project. Go in to your membership or go into. Um, you know, pick, pick one use case, which might be um, increasing attendance at an event, uh, and say, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to do that one first, and then build that up. You still want to have this whole team in place. You still want to have a strategy. You still want to be aligning this to your business goals and so on. But you pick that one manageable thing, and then that becomes your project, and. Um, and it also because you pick one thing the te- technical integrations are a little easier um at the end of the day the roi analysis that anyone's going to want to do on it will be easier so you have to make the big commitment up front i'm going to get married to data data and i we're going to be life partners and now let's get in and and you know plan plan what day one looks like and it's just it's just one one use case that's, that's all i say
1: yeah, I have, you know I work with a, an organization that when um, this the executive director really focused a lot on data and having clean data and having everything in and in this case was at the time their AMS system and um, and had data governance rules around it uh, in order to be a data driven organization and really you touched on something that i think is really important it was a top down it was their culture they hired people that were able to use technology they um, if they got they if he found out that they have a some sort of excel spreadsheet outside of the system it was like almost like a fireable offense yeah he's like oh let's fire them i'm like (laughs) not to fire them but okay but because of that they have been able to grow and it and and we watched this you know they were doing this before anybody was really talking about you know data dashboards and all those types of things that that everybody's trying to to think about now so um so we really saw kind of a real big return for the organization because they were able, you touched on some things. So as you're talking, like I was thinking about this organization, they were able to find people based on their data when uh, that created more diversity on their board. They yeah. were able to see, oh, there's this member that's extremely engaged on our online activities, and but they never come to an annual meeting. Well, maybe they should be a part of our volunteer structure let's reach out to them because they are very you know highly engaged which they may have never met them and never known without knowing all you know all the products that they purchased and and all those types of and like i said in their online um message boards and the, the downloading papers and all those types of things so i think there's some real opportunities um so kind of my kind of rolling into that is like what does technology play in? data readiness and data capability? And, you know, I know to some people listening in, they're like, oh, technology changes can be hard and expensive or both, you know, like what is something associations can do today and what can they afford
0: to do? Right, so um, you, you in order to bring all your data together, so you're collecting data right now, it's probably siloed, in order to bring it together and in order to be able to get useful insights out of it, you know, analytics and so on, um, the the good news is that there are products that exist to do this, and in fact there are at least two products built specifically for association that that will allow you to do this. Uh, and I'm I'm really talking about the class of product called the customer data platform, uh, which is um, comes out of the e-commerce world. Um, it's a new class of software; it didn't exist before twenty thirteen. Um, for a while, people thought, well, you know what? That's what our CRM or AMS uh, we'll do that. That's where we'll keep this data. But um, even Salesforce.com, uh, which is the biggest CRM provider on the planet, has learned that that CRM isn't a good place to hold behavioral data uh, as well as the demographic data and allow these sorts of analyses. It's um, there are various reasons for it, but the the ability to um, do the kinds of things we're talking about uh, has sort of resulted in this kind of more of a uh CDP or even a data lake with a BI analytics frame on it, um, kind of architectural approach. Um, so the adva- here's the advantage. So the good news is that there are products. The other good news is the way CDPs work is that they kind of overlay your existing software stack. So you don't actually have to change any of the systems you're using right now. CDPs simply listen for events across your existing stack. Uh, if you like your stack you keep it, if you want to swap something out, now you have a CDP employed. you can do something you could never do before, which is you can do a hot swap, not have to worry about a one-time data migration or about losing any data. So all the data is now sitting in your CDP. It's there for you to look at. You take, don't like your LMS, you want to swap it out for another one, do that. And not, you don't miss a beat. Uh, same with your AMS. If you're switching your AMS, you don't miss a beat. So um, so this type of, 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 product is actually, um, is, uh, pretty beneficial, I think, for, for association.
1: Yeah, Unless that's you great.
0: Best in class software for your individual special application.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, so what about AI and machine learning? You know, those are amongst some key technological leaps that are happening in the world at the moment. So are they related to data and data capabilities?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're you, you, You can't have AI. uh, Well, actually, I I, I have a colleague who always points out that when people say AI, when salespeople say AI, not me, of course, because (laughs) I never do this, but people say AI, they really need software. Uh, But there there is true AI and there is true machine learning. Uh, In our product, actually, we we do employ proper, real, honest-to-goodness machine learning for some taxonomy work that uh, we do. But um, you cannot do AI without data. So data is food that AI eats. Um, down the road, AI has and machine learning have great potential for all uh, businesses, including associations. Uh, but if you're not collecting data, uh, then it, it's not going to help. So yeah. it's a it's a it's a requirement, a necessary requirement.
1: Um, so John, you know, associations will say, well, you know, Sherry, we're mission driven and you know should we really be collecting all of this data and information about our members and isn't that creepy or whatever the case might be like what are your thoughts about that
0: yeah so uh so i i, I don't think it's creepy uh i i think frankly it's what people expect uh what is you know facebook collects probably more data on people in fact what they used to say that they know you better than your spouse does.
1: Yeah, that's creepy.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, but a billion people use it every right. week, right? So, right. Uh, and that's that's without the Chinese market. Yeah. So, uh, so one in six people on the planet are basically using uh, Facebook. So, I I think the the fact is people are are uh, they, they, they they there may be sort of um, yeah. So I I think the, the 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 bottom line is that people expect entities they work with, especially if they work with them closely to get to know them. And you can't do that if you're not paying attention. And there's only two ways you can get to know someone. One is to watch what they do and the other is to ask them what they want, right? Get more zero-party data. So let's say you do a survey and let's say you do it, I don't know, once a quarter, uh, which would be a lot for many places. Uh, People would get a little tired of answering surveys once a quarter. Uh, It's a quarter old when you get it, and it may not even be true, Uh, and I go back to my favorite Netflix story, which is when Netflix asks people what kind of movies they're interested in, fully a third of people say they're interested in foreign films, but I promise you that a third of people on Netflix this, don't don't watch foreign films on Netflix, Uh, no offense to Squid Game, uh, because of course that's an exception to the rule, but you know, people aspire to watch foreign films, but they don't, First-party data is what people are actually doing. Uh, I would argue people expect you to collect it um, and because uh, they want this personalized experience. Um, and again, I'm not saying you're going to sell this data to anybody. I'm not saying you know become a third-party data uh, provider. I'm just saying use it to make your product better. Use it to make your member experience better. Use it to delight your customers. You can't do that if you're not paying attention like going on a date and not listening to what anybody's telling you over dinner what a horrible experience that would be
1: right right so john before you wrap up this has been a great conversation um and very insightful uh where would you say an association should begin like how would one just get started on improving their
0: data readiness sure so first um buy into what we talked about today and understand what data can do for you. Uh, Second, um, align your data strategy. So create a data strategy and align it with your business strategy. That's absolutely critical, first step, second step. Uh, Third, understand you don't need to measure everything. Just measure what counts. Fourth, I'd say, um, consider data a core business asset and think of it that way. And then be prepared to make data part of your daily life. This is about evidence-based decision-making and developing leading-edge tools and and functionality within your association. And you'll notice all of these things I've listed are philosophical things. They're things that you just need to think about. Um, They're not actually anything you need to do. The doing starts once you've got this, but those those are the first five steps.
1: It's great. So I really think you know it's important for associations, uh, you know, if they want to advance um, and move forward in the future to really uh, think very, you know strategically around how they're utilizing data, how they're managing their data, how they're collecting their data, all the things you touched upon. So um, so I really appreciate your time sharing um, your knowledge with the association community is if somebody wants to get in touch with you, um, how could they do that?
0: Uh, they can email me at John, J-O-H-N, at hum.works. Uh, and if they do that, if anybody's uh, interested, anybody listening is interested in, in um, we have a little d- data readiness checklist that we kind of put together that goes into some of the concepts I talked about today in a bit more detail. That uh, is a, a, a little PDF. I'd be happy to send it to anybody who wanted. So yeah, John, J-O-H-N, at hum.works.
1: All right, that's great. And for anybody listening, if you um, want a, more information on this topic, we are doing a webinar with HUM on October 21st. Um, so we're excited about that. And then we are also in development of a white paper um, that will go into more detail on this topic. Um, so if you uh, go to www.orgcommunity.com um, you can find out more information about uh, those two upcoming um, knowledge uh, opportunities. So thanks so much, John, for, for sharing your time with us today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for the invitation, Sherry. It was, it was awesome, I appreciate it.
1: All right. Great.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .orgsource specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.